This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. So good to see each and every one of you this morning. What a beautiful song service. Thank you, Brother Kit, for your prayer. And I trust that we are all here to be able to grow in God's Word and to be strengthened by the power that is manifested in the words that we're going to be studying this morning. As was mentioned by Heston, we're going to be looking at Paul's farewell address to the elders at Ephesus. And we can find this address in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. And what I did want to do this morning was to read the chapter, then start from the very beginning, and then start reading it again. And so I had Heston read it for us this morning so we could start diving in to this message. <clears throat> I want to kind of jump to the very end. And the reason I want to do that is because I want us to understand the atmosphere. Because it was very intimate. These men loved each other very much. And so just listen to these words that we can find in Acts 20, 36-38. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. Then they all wept. They fell on Paul's neck and they kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. The Apostle Paul had spent approximately three years at the city of Ephesus. And during these three years that he spent there, there were many ups and downs. There were victories, and there were hardships like we cannot even imagine. But because of these ups and downs, the Apostle Paul and these elders and the whole church, they became very close as we could imagine. And it's because of that that they wept so, so bitterly because they would never see the Apostle Paul again. This would be the last time they would see his face. And so as we know that with any farewell address that there is much soberness that goes into the words that are spoken. There is much power. And that's what we want to look at this morning is the, is the power of these words because these men would see Paul no more. The primary reason we want to study this farewell address is because we want to look at, at Paul's example. The reason why we want to look at Paul's example is because he says in Philippians 3 and 17, he says, Brethren, I want you to be you followers of me. He says in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ Jesus. You see, it didn't matter where Paul went. 
It didn't matter if he was being stoned. It didn't matter if he was being imprisoned. It didn't matter if he was being scourged or being beaten with rods. Or if he was preaching uh, in front of the masses. No matter what he was doing, he was an example. An example that, that the brothers and sisters in Christ could follow. We find that it would take great boldness to be able to say to, to, to Dwayne, Dwayne, I want you to follow me. I want you to listen to every word that I ever speak. I want you to follow my pattern of works, my actions. I want you to think like I do because I am an imitator of Christ Jesus. That would be very bold for me to say to him, wouldn't it? But the Apostle Paul lived his life in such a manner that he could say those words with all sincerity. You know, when I read this, this, this address of, of the Apostle Paul, the theme that keeps coming out of these words are Paul's example. And so that's primarily what we want to, to, to gather as we, as we study this farewell address. You know, he begins this address in Acts 20 and 18. He says, and when they had come to him, so they came to him. You see, he was at Miletus. This was a port. And this, this port was about 20 to 30 miles away from Ephesus. And he would have gone to Ephesus to be with these, with these men, but he knew that he needed to get to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. So he could speak to the Jews at that time and to have fellowship with them. And so it was mandatory that, he could, that, that they come to him because he would wanted to spend time with the whole church and it would take him too much time. So he asked these men to come down to him. And he begins his, his address by saying, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. So in the three years that he spent at Ephesus, he says, from the very first day to the time that I departed from you, I set an example. And that's what we want to look at this morning, is the example that he set. The first thing that we want to look at is how that Paul served the Lord with humility. In Acts 20 and 19 of these verses, he says, I served the Lord with humility. He wanted to remind these men of how he went about doing this. And so we ask, how did Paul set an example of humility? I'm reminded of what he says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1 through 5. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ, and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and in my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How did Paul serve the Lord with humility? You know, out of all the apostles, I guess he was probably the most educated. He had the opportunity to sit down at some of the greatest scholars of that time. 
And because of that, he had an intellect that was, that was far surpassing as far as other men were involved. And so you see, he had the ability to speak uh, with, with excellence. He had the ability to use his human wisdom that he had in his mind to wow people. But you see, the Apostle Paul, he was not in it for the praise of man. And so what he says is that I just spoke the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, wherever I went. He said this kind of gospel is foolishness when it comes to the world's minds. What he wanted, he, he did not want man to follow him for any reason. He wanted people to follow Jesus Christ. And so he therefore spoke in such a way that the power would be in God's Word and not within Himself. How did Paul serve with humility? I'm reminded of what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9-10. He says, For I am least of all the apostles. I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored, you see, more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. I'm reminded of what he said in Ephesians 3 and 8. He says, Unto me, who am less than all the least of the saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, 1 Timothy 1 and 15, it says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So, okay, let's, let's break this down. So he says, I am the least of all the apostles, but yet I labored more abundantly than they all. He says, I want you to follow me but yet I am the chiefest of sinners. So what, what is he saying here? What is he trying to, to, to communicate with the church and to you and I? When it came to all of his abundant works and his successes in life, when you compared that to the holiness of God. When you compared His righteousness and His sinless life to that of the holiness of God, He was nothing. You see, the closer that we get to God and understand His holy nature, the more we realize just how insignificant that our righteousness is compared to that of God. And as he grew closer to God, the more he understood the power of God's grace and how that is what would save his soul and not his abundance of works and his accomplishments. And that gave him a proper perspective because he had every right to brag, but he did not because of his understanding of God's grace. He served the Lord with humility. 
The next example that we want to look at is how Paul served the Lord with many tears. In Acts 20, 19, we can also find that he served the Lord with tears. How did he serve the Lord with tears? I'm reminded of what he said to Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. He says, five times I received 39 stripes. He was scourged 39 times. It means that he was whipped. Attached to that whip were cutting devices that were made from basically setting its metals, metal chunks and those metal pieces of bone were meant to set inside of his back and for ripping purposes. His back was marred beyond imaginable. Beyond imagination. He says, I was stoned. Jason, do you know what size rocks that, that they used to stone? I don't either. I don't either. But we do know that their intentions were to take his life. So they weren't throwing pebbles. You know, I wonder where those rocks, when he was stoned, where they hit him at. What if they hit him in the, in, the, in the mouth? You think some of his teeth maybe were knocked out? What if they hit him in the, in the face? What if they hit him in the, in the back where he had, after he'd been scourged? But we do know that they thought he was dead. It says that I suffered shipwreck three times. I don't know what it's like to be out in the sea night and day in, in shark-infested waters, but the Apostle Paul, he did. I've been robbed. I know what it's like to be naked and hunger and in thirst. And he says in these verses, on top of that, no matter where I went, it didn't matter if I was amongst my brothers and sisters in Christ, or amongst the heathen. He said it didn't matter if I was in a desert all alone or in the cities with thousands around me. He said no matter where I was at, I'm always having to look behind my back because my life was in danger because of the message that I was preaching. But he says like, all these things set aside, he says, there was that. And this is the point of reading these verses. There was that. That played my mind night and day. And that was the care of the churches. You see, the Apostle Paul had established these churches. And they were so feeble in their nature. You see, they were, he was introducing the law of Jesus Christ. And it was somewhat different than that of the law of Moses. And there was confusion among the churches, amongst the Jews and Gentiles. There were contentions. And this broke his heart. This kept him up at night. There was those churches that were suffering such persecution that they were actually starving, that they did not have food and water because of the persecution, because they believed in Jesus Christ. There were those churches that were so prideful and so carnal in nature that they were just confused all together about who they were to follow. They were following after man instead of, instead of Christ Jesus. On and on we could go. But this is what kept him up at night and day because he loved the church. 
He said to the church at Thessalonica, I know you mothers can, can relate to this. He, he compared himself to a nursing mother. You think about a nursing mother and what they sacrifice. They sacrifice their sleep at night. They sacrifice their own health. They sacrifice their time and their energy because they know just how feeble this little child is and that without their love and their devotion to this child that it would be no longer. And that's how the Apostle Paul loved the church. He knew how feeble the church was and how they were wolves that were coming in wanting to devour the church and this kept him up at night. This is why he was so diligent in his nature and in his ministry. Did he shed tears because of his own persecution? No, it was tears for the church because he loved them. He loved the church. Romans 9 and 2 through 3 it says that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Nothing speaks to his care for the church more than these verses. He had great sorrow in his heart for the Jewish brethren, his kinsmen. Because you know what? They denied Jesus Christ. He said, God, he said, I will suffer damnation for all eternity if only my fellow brethren would believe in you. Would you suffer hell for all eternity for your brother and your sister that's sitting beside you? Paul was willing to do so. You know, I think about Moses. He set the same example. It was because of the children of Israel. They had denied God over and over again. And God said, I'm going to destroy these people. And he said, oh, blot me out of the book of life, but save the children of Israel. Nothing speaks of someone's love more than the sacrifice of eternity. Oh, that you and I can grow to have that same love and that same care for the church. The next example that we want to look at is how Paul served the Lord while enduring dreadful sufferings. You know, we can read in, in, in this farewell address in Acts 20, Verses 22 through 25. He says, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Paul is telling these men that the Holy Spirit had awakened him to the fact that chains and sufferings would soon be in his life. 
didn't know exactly when or exactly where, but he said, I know that there's soon enough that I will not see you anymore. But listen to what he says. He says, I'm not bothered by this. These things don't move me. I don't count my life dear unto myself. He said, that which makes me get up every morning is the ministry of Jesus Christ that I've been given. He said, oh, that I may die with joy. That I might die with joy and continue giving this message. And that's exactly what he did. You know, as I think about some of the sufferings and tribulations that he had to endure, I think about this verse in 1 Corinthians 15 and 30. He says, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. This verse has always puzzled me. I think about Paul in the arena of Ephesus going up against this wild, ferocious lion. And I wonder, is that what he meant by these verses? By this verse? I don't know, maybe. I tend to think that he is using figurative language here. I think that there were men that were beasts that he came up against at Ephesus. You know, I'm reminded when I think about some of these terrible men that Paul had to, to come face to face with, I, I think about the goddess of Artemis. This goddess was served throughout the city of Ephesus. You see, the god that you and I serve was not known in this city. Only the goddess of Artemis. And there was a temple there. And this temple was grand. It was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. There was no other building like that in all of Asia. No one had ever seen a structure like this. But Paul, you see, he went into this place. And he talked about the evils that took place, the sacrifices that took place to this goddess of Artemis. This was the greatest power known to this world at this time. And Paul had the boldness to go up against it. And there were repercussions. There were wild beasts that would come that he would have to face. And one of those wild beasts was a man named Demetrius. You see, Demetrius, he made his living making these little shrines of Artemis and shrines of this, of this temple. And they would sell them to the people that worshipped Artemis. But when Paul came to this city, he taught that this is idolatry. And that there is only one God. And that this is nothing but a statue. A make-believe God. You can see just how much damage that this did to the business of Demetrius and thousands of others that made their living making statues like this. This was a statue that they made. The goddess of Artemis. This was what men were serving. And they lost their living because of Paul. And they were ready for blood. This man Demetrius, he created these riots in Ephesus like we'd never seen before. Colosseums were full with people that were out for blood. 
These were the wild beasts that the Apostle Paul faced. I think about another time at Ephesus. You know, the, the, the city of Ephesus was filled with sorcerers and, and magicians. And it says in Acts 19 and 19, and a great number of those who were experts in strange arts took their books, they put them on the fire in front of everyone. And when the books were valued, they came to 50,000 bits of silver. That would be, in our, in our dollars today, about $5.5 million. You see, all the magicians and the sorcerers, and those that practice such arts, when they heard the message of Jesus, they brought their books and they, and they burned them. So you see how Paul turned this city upside down. And because of that, he faced persecution. What kind of persecution did he face there? You see, Paul wrote the letter to Corinth at Ephesus. So imagine him sitting in Ephesus, writing these words. He says, even unto this present hour, we both hunger, we thirst, we are naked, and are buffeted, which means beaten, and have no certain dwelling place. You see, this morning, it's hard for us to even to relate to these words. We sit here on our padded pews. Our stomachs are full of food this morning. We've come from our grand palaces that we call homes. We come here without fear of persecution. We come fully clothed. It's hard for us to even to relate to these words. But the Apostle Paul, he could relate to them all so well. Because he went up against these powers, this is what he had to endure. We, we read in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 10, it says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. And what he means by this was Ephesus, that we were burdened beyond measure. I don't know what that means to be burdened beyond measure. He said, we were burdened above our strength so that we despaired even our life. Yet we had the sentence of death in ourselves. See, death was knocking on, that, on their door. All they could think about is, we're going to die. That is a fact. That was where they were at. Because he spoke the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. But the attitude that he has here is what I just want us to, to grasp. He says, none of these things move me, me being persecuted. These things didn't move him. They didn't cause him to go the opposite direction of Jerusalem as Jonah would do, but to march head on. And oh, that we can have the faith and the boldness as the Apostle Paul. You know, I'm reminded of what he said to a young man who wanted to be an evangelist and who was doing the work of an evangelist in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, he says, this is a fact, by the way, all who desire to live godly in Jesus will, not maybe, but will suffer persecution. May we have the grace that the Apostle Paul had. Next Example that we want to look at is Paul's method in proclaiming the gospel. 
In this farewell address in Acts 20, let's read verses 20 and 21. He says, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith to our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 20, 26 through 27. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have shunned not to declare to you the whole counsel of God. What we learn about the Apostle Paul is that it didn't matter if his audience had stones in their hand ready to end his life. He did not water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter if his audience was announcing death threats. He spoke the same gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter if he was in the temple of Artemis or preaching to kings, magistrates. He spoke the whole truth of God's word. What an example. Because we see across the U.S. of A. How there are thousands and thousands that will come in because they want their ears tickled. And there are men that will tickle their ears all day long for financial gain. They will water down the message of God, but not the Apostle Paul. He says, I am not ashamed. He said that while he was in prison. He said, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it has the power to save souls. He said to Timothy, he said, I want you to remember me because I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Paul's method in proclaiming the gospel. I love how it mentions here in Acts 20 and 20 that he taught publicly, but he also taught in house-to-house settings. What does that mean to us? You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. He had much fame. But he did not demand arenas with thousands of people before he would go and preach. He would go from house to house. That is something for us to take note of. Because there's power in house-to-house teachings. You know, here in our assembly, there are certain rules that we are to follow. But you see, in house-to-house settings, we have liberty. Questions can be asked. Messages can be individualized for for that household's needs. Acts 20 and 33 and 34, he says, I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Apostle Paul says, I want you to remember that I did not take any support from you. Would it have been wrong for the Apostle Paul to take support from Ephesus? Absolutely not. He did it all the time, but for some reason, he did not take money from this 
city, from this church. Why? I'm not sure, really. But I wonder if there would be men after him that would call and be greedy of financial gain. I believe that he wanted them to remember how he worked with his own hands to provide for his own needs and for the needs of those that were with him and also to be able to help the poor. I just fear that there would be people that would come after him. That they would not care about the flock but only care for financial gain. And he wanted them to remember how he served them. In closing, I want to look at Paul's charge to these elders. Acts 20, 28-31 Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. The last example that we want to talk about is how he caused these men for three years to dwell and to look within. Notice how he says, I want you to take heed to yourselves first. Very first thing. Are you sincere in your walk with Christ? I want you to look at yourself and see, is there pride in your life that you need to get rid of so that you can lead effectively? He wanted them to examine themselves. And then he said, I want you to check the temperature of the congregation. Are they healthy? Are they growing in the Word of God or are they still sipping on the milk? Are they, are they abounding in works? Are they living in idleness? Are they apathetic or are they zealous? What is the temperature of the congregation? You always need to have your finger on it. He says, and then I want you to be looking out for wolves. Because they are coming. He said, it's not a maybe. He said, they will come. And their only reason to come is to devour this church at Ephesus. He says, they will come and bring their heresies. In other words, they want to bring division. They want this congregation that you love and adore so much to be divided. He said, sadly enough, he said, there will be those that are within the church at Ephesus right this very hour. He said, they will stop serving God because they love Him, but they will serve God only for themselves. In other words, they will be searching for the praise of men more than the praise of God. And they will bring and sell their bag of goods so that they can increase in their following. He says, oh, that you'll be watchful for these things. Again, showing us an example of what we are to be watchful for here. Is it possible that wolves can come in? 
Is it possible that people can arise within this even group? Absolutely. So this is Paul's farewell address. There are so many messages that we can gain from this. But I just wanted to remind us of how it brings about Paul's life. How we can see how he lived and how he went about his ministry. And how he labored more abundantly than they all. And how he's more educated than all, but yet how he lived with humility. How he served the church with tears. Showing that he cared so much for the church that he would be willing to give up eternity with God so that the church could be saved and witness Jesus Christ. He wanted us to witness how he endured tribulation and suffering with joy in his heart and with faithfulness. He wanted us to be reminded how he proclaimed the word of God, how he did not water down the message no matter when, but spoke with boldness the truth that we all need to hear. And how we always need to be watchful in our homes, in the church, in ourselves. May we follow Paul's example. This morning, as we close, as we're about to sing the song of imitation, Paul wrote the words to Rome that we mentioned earlier, how he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He told the church at Corinth that the gospel is simply this. It is the death, and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. We learn that he wrote to the church at Thessalonica that unless we obey this gospel, there's something we have to do that we cannot be saved. That we will be in trouble when Jesus comes in flaming fire because He's going to take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we learn in the sixth chapter of Romans that if you have faith and you understand how you are to turn your back on the world. And you want to put to death that old man. Repent of your wrongs. And give your life to Jesus Christ. Luke 13 and 3 says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We can put to death that old man. Just as Jesus died on the cross. And we can be buried with Him in the waters of baptism. And we can rise in newness of life having our sins washed away and added to the church. We learn at the day of Pentecost that there was much rejoicing after this. We learn that Philip and the eunuch, after his teaching to the eunuch, that the eunuch went away rejoicing. Why? Because our sins were washed away. And they walked anew with Jesus Christ. Or if there be those this morning that as you look inwardly, as the Apostle Paul told the church and the elders at Ephesus, and maybe you don't care for the church. Maybe all you care is about number one, and that is yourself. Maybe we think nothing about the church throughout the week, but just get lost 
in our own wants, in our own desires, our own pleasures. Maybe there are those this morning that when we begin to suffer persecution that we whine and complain. Or maybe we're not suffering persecution at all because we're not living a godly life. I trust that we'll examine ourselves because if Paul taught us anything, he says to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The day of the Lord is near. Seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Whether you have not been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, whether you sit here and examine yourself, may we seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling because we're talking about eternity. Let's stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.